Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, it's a joy to be with you today. How many of you love Jesus? Raise your hand. Excellent. You're in the right place. And so am I. What a great thing it is to be with Pastor Kyle and Brittany and Pastor Phil and Brenda and this wonderful team. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. It is great to lift up the name of the Lord and so important that we do so uh, from our hearts, that when we gather together, God is the audience. We're all players together. And we may think of it more as, hey, they're the ones that are leading us in worship, and, and, and we're just, you know, kind of we're the audience. No, no, no. When we do this thing called worship together, we are all participants in this because God sees the heart of gratitude in which we come to him that he says in his word, he inhabits the praises of his people. And so as we gather, it is important that we realize God is the audience of one, and we are all part of this together. Well, today I want to talk to you, if I may, as we um, continue in the prayer concept. And, and I know that, that Pastor Kyle, as Pastor Kyle has brought this concept of prayer to us on this campus, in your church, we've been doing this across our campuses. We have 15 campuses, 15 churches, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about that story here as a part of what we do today. But it's so important that we start the year off right, and, and as the pastor in Victorville, we started doing this about 12 years ago where we literally called the church to prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, and we have seen some major things happen right from the get-go each and every year as we flip the calendar into a, a brand new year. And so we've been focusing upon prayer. You've been focusing upon prayer. And today I want to pick it up with an amazing uh, storyline, amazing prayer found in the Old Testament called the Prayer of Jabez. Uh, Jabez, you may or may not be as familiar with, but the fact is, is that in the year 2000, there was a gentleman by the name of Bruce Wilkinson who wrote a tiny little book, 92 pages in length, called The Prayer of Jabez. It became incredibly popular for a short period of time, for about five years, hit the New York Times bestseller list, and people were buying this thing by the droves, and then all of a sudden it dropped off the face of the earth. And I want to bring that back to our attention today because what that was all about is Scripture. And when we can look at different prayers in the Bible, I think of Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. I think about how Jesus taught us how to pray what we know as the Lord's Prayer out of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we look at different prayers in the Bible, I particularly want to look at this prayer today, the prayer of Jabez. So we put some um, notes on your chair. If you are used to taking notes, great. Grab a pen, grab a pencil, grab your eyebrow pencil, whatever it would be, and just take some notes along with uh, us today. As I look at, we open up God's word to First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Everybody say pain. Oh, let's do it again. Pain. pain. There you go. Stay with me. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. 
Ezra, the writer of First Chronicles, lists literally 500 names as we open up that particular book. If you were to look at it today, you'll see name after name after name after name after name. And we get to First Chronicles chapter 4. We even see 44 names that are mentioned before we ever get to Jabez. And yet, as he gets to Jabez, he pauses almost as if to say, hold on for a second, I got to tell you a little bit about this guy, Jabez. What I just read to you is what you find in those two short verses, 9 and 10, how God did an amazing thing in Jabez's life as Jabez was a man of prayer, and God is calling you and me to be people of prayer. How many of you know that prayer changes things? Prayer changes things. And the more that you call upon the name of the Lord, the better off life will be entirely. And so I want to take this prayer, and, and I want to talk to you, if I may, in, in four points, because there's really four key aspects to what this prayer is all about today. Number one is that we focus on the fact that, oh Lord, that you would bless me. Everybody say bless. Yeah, the more that we are blessed by God, the better off we will be. God is wanting to bless people's lives. And the longer I live, I'm 59 years of age. My birthday's the day after Christmas, just turned 59. And, and it's like, for, for some of you, it's like, whoa, dude, he's really old. And others of you, you know, just whatever, wherever that falls. But the fact is, is that, that God wants to bless people's lives. And Jabez prayed, God, would you bless me? See, there's something powerful out of the Old Testament, particularly about the blessing of God. We've seen it more popularized in songs today. You may sing the song that Carrie Job wrote called The Blessing. And, and, and off of the Levitical prayer, you know, that, that the blessing of God would, would fall upon someone's life. It really stems from the book of Genesis where it was uh, Isaac who blessed Jacob. And as he blessed Jacob, the blessing of God fell upon him Esau comes in and says, bless me too, bless me too. There's something powerful about the blessing that went from generation to generation and truly the blessing of God. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says it this way. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So in other words, God wants to strengthen you. Your heart is towards him. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to help you in your walk, in your relationship with him. It's powerful. I want to talk to you about my call to ministry for a moment today. And uh, when I was 18 years of age, January 1981, 41 years ago, uh, God spoke to me. I had been accepted at Seattle Pacific University. I was planning to become a dentist, an orthodontist, straighten people's teeth and uh, hopefully make a boatload of money. I don't know of any poor orthodontists. <laughs> and uh, loved the Lord, wanted to serve him wholeheartedly, and, and, and figured that, you know, I'd just be a lay person in a church, that'd be great things, and, and just, like, live my life. And I had some calculus homework in front of me, because if you're going to do dental work, you need to have all the math and science you possibly can have. And so I had calculus homework in front of me, second semester, and I'm looking at this thing having no idea. I don't know if you've ever looked at calculus and you said, I have no idea what I'm looking at, but that's what I had that night. January 1981, God entered my bedroom 
and spoke to me in an audible voice. He called my name, John. Man, that, that'll wake you up. I, it just like If you were in the room, I, I, I would have sworn that you would have heard the voice of God. That's how clear it was. As God called me into ministry, it was a warm voice. It was a compassionate voice. It was, it was also a voice that was strong, a voice that was powerful, a voice that even though I said, Lord, is that you? I knew it was the Lord. And he said, I have something different in store for you. You've planned this road, but I want you to go this road. I remember just taking the whole thing in and taking some time and praying. And, and I remember as the night went on, I went to my parents and, you know, a senior in high school, you go to your parents and you say to them, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Can we all sit down? They looked at me like, uh-oh, what's this all about, right? And I said, God just spoke to me. And he totally changed the direction for my life. And he's called me into ministry. And I remember looking at my parents in that moment as both of them have tears in their eyes. And they then said to me, well, now we can tell you the rest of the story. And I'm here like, what? What's the rest of the story? And when I was born on December 26, 1962, my maternal grandmother lived with us. And in the midst of living with us, she named me. I am named after two people, her brother, John, and also the disciple, John. She loved that name, and she stayed with us for probably about two or three years after I was born. And my mom, who is one of seven sisters, my grandmother was with us, and, and really, as I've heard the story told, that my grandmother, in a sense, adopted me as a very, I, don't, I hate to say favorite, but I, I've heard that too many times in our family, the favorite grandchild. She named me, and I didn't know this, but she prayed from the day I was born that God would put a call on my life to ministry. See, I didn't stand a chance because I had a praying grandmother who knew how to grab a hold of the heart of God in prayer. And, she, and according to my parents, she prayed every day. She passed away the year before the call to ministry happened, so she never had a chance really to hear what took place. But I'm here today to tell you that I'm here doing what I'm doing because God has not only intersected my life, but also there have been people who have prayed a blessing on my life. See, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't underestimate the power of what God does as people continue to bring certain needs, prayers, petitions, things before God, because God wants to grab a hold of people's lives. I think about the importance of that blessing and that God wants to, be, wants to bless you, not so you hold it to yourself, but rather that you become a blessing into someone else's life. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. And, and one of the things I say to our church family in, in Victorville on a regular basis, don't be stupid. 
You know, if God wants to bless you, don't miss out on the great things that God may want to do in your life because you've not asked for it. Now, you need to ask with the right motive. Everybody say motive. Your motive is essential to what you have in the way that you ask God. Because if your motive is all for the wrong kinds of things, well, then, then it's not going to happen. Now, I can pray that God would give me a 100-foot yacht because, of course, living in the high desert, I so much need a 100-foot yacht. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's desert upon desert up there. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And so we, we've got to come to the Lord with the right motivation. But, but for us to understand what Jabez was saying, Lord, that you would bless me, he didn't want to be blessed so that he would hold it to himself. He wanted to be blessed so that he can make an impact upon other people's lives. And that's the word I want to give you on point number one. Just write it in somewhere on the side of your notes, impact. Pray for that impact. Pray that God would bless you so that you can make an impact. Make an impact upon your family. Make an impact upon your friends' lives. Make an impact in the workplace. Make an impact in school. Make an impact. Wherever the impact would be, God wants to bring about an impact in and through you. He wants to raise you up so that as you are blessed, you can be a blessing to someone else. Point number two is that Jabez said that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. It is important that as we do life, we say yes to God. It's a phrase we use all the time as a part of the church where I pastor in Victorville, been there 15 years, and there's probably not a month that goes by that I don't say that from the pulpit at some point in time, say yes to God. Four simple words. Let's just say it, repeat it together. Say yes to God. Say it again. Say yes to God. You're online. Say it out loud. Say yes to God. God wants you to say yes to him. To say yes to him means that you're willing to risk some stuff because God may ask you to do something that's a little bit risky. For you put, to put your uh, faith into action, feet to your faith. God is not giving you a measure of faith so that you just kind of sit there and not do anything with it, but God is wanting you to put your faith into action. In the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 23, it says it this way, he makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. The fact is, is that kingdoms rise and fall, governments rise and fall, nations change, borders change, all sorts of stuff changes, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he wants to do some amazing things. So to grab a hold of the fact that God wants to use you to make an impact upon someone else's life is what your purpose is all about, amongst other things. He also, with that, wants to enlarge your sphere of influence. It's about 12 years ago, I got a call from then district superintendent, a man by the name of Ray Rachels. And Ray Rachels called me and said, John, I need some help. Now, Ray, Pastor Ray is about like the nicest guy you could possibly imagine. And so he says to me, I need your help. I'm here like, sure, what do you need? You know, I'll do whatever, you, what, what do you need? He goes, well, you got two churches in your backyard, one in Apple Valley and one in Hesperia that need some help. And both pastors are retiring. They're 80 years of age. How many of you know that when pastors hit 80, they, they deserve to retire, right? 80 years of age, 
and the churches that they are leading cannot afford a pastor. Can you come alongside of them and help parent them? I said, great, I'm happy to do that. What does that mean? And so he started unfolding that. Well, he was at the very end of his tenure as the district superintendent for the Assemblies of God and, and uh, our denomination, our fellowship. And, and so then uh, Rich Garris steps in, who's the current superintendent. And Rich said, John, you just, you know, here's, here's what, kind of what we're looking at. And we said, great. And we sent one of our pastors from our campus to that campus. We said yes to God. Yeah, Lord, if you want to use us, great. We'll send one of our pastors to Apple Valley, and we'll see how it goes. And then we sent a pastor to Hesperia. And before we know it, two years later, we sent a pastor to Little Rock. Anybody know where the metropolis of Little Rock is? Don't blink your eye because you'll be straight through it and the town is so like tiny, right? And then we started planting churches. And one church, another church, another church, Legacy Church coming alongside of you guys. And we're 15 churches into this thing. And we're just saying yes to God one step at a time. We're not that great. But here's the really cool thing, is that if you're willing to say yes to God in the midst of whatever it is that you do, we're trying to do the same thing, all of a sudden, God opens up new doors. And he takes your efforts, and he starts multiplying them many times over. It starts affecting more and more and more and more people's lives. I don't know where this is ultimately going to go. We, we've talked about going from 13 campuses at the time two years ago to 30 campuses. We now have an international campus in England, and the goal is to plant a church in Columbia later this year once COVID kind of lifts a little bit and help what's happening there. I, I've, had, I've had other countries now contacting us, Papua New Guinea. Where in the world did that one come from, right? And, and just countries going, hey, can, can you help us? And, and, and so for us to say yes to God says, Lord, we're going we're gonna to be on this faith journey that says, we may not have all the answers. We're kind of like learning to build it as we go. And yet when you say yes to God, God takes your efforts and he multiplies them many times over. This is a prayer that I have prayed over my life for years now. God, bless me not so that I hold it to myself, but that I can bring an impact into other people's lives. And Lord, just keep enlarging the territory. See, when I went to Victorville 15 years ago, Rhonda and I did. I should have introduced my wife, by the way. Rhonda's sitting over here. And so, yay. My better half, I married up when I married her, even though she's shorter than I am, but I married up. And, and, you know, when, when we stepped into this 15 years ago, I had no idea that we would be doing what we're doing today. No idea. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. I didn't even know what parenting was all about, and, and yet that's just like God. See, when you start saying yes to him, he starts opening other doors. Let me, let me put it more in a biblical context. You've heard the parable of the talents before, where all of a sudden, as the master gives talents out to his servants, to one he gives five, to one he gives two, the other one he gives one. You may recall the storyline, so let me just summarize it real quick. To the one he gave five, that person put it into play, and that person got five more talents. The five becomes ten. 
And the master comes back and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Awesome, great job. The one who had the two, the person that had the two put it into play, that two becomes four. I love the fact that it's not how much you have when you start, it's what you do with what you have. Because the, the master comes back to that servant, and though that servant only had two, that became four. Instead of five, that became ten. The, the master said the same thing to that servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. But to the one who had one, they were afraid to do anything with it, and so they buried it in the ground. And I, I just want to tell you, God is giving you talents and abilities and skills and all sorts of things, and, and he's put some Put some vision in your heart, and, and, and he wants to do things through you. Don't bury what God has given you, but put it into action. Let God do a fresh thing in your life. Let God do what he wants to do. If you bury it, it's going to be taken from you, because that's exactly what happened in the parable of the talents. They were afraid. That man was afraid. That servant was afraid to do anything with that talent, so he buried it in the ground, and the master comes back and says, doesn't mix words, you wicked servant, Instead of even putting, I'm paraphrasing, instead of even putting this on deposit at the bank, which of course today you would get like 0.00001% interest, right? Like nothing. But at least you would get your penny, right? Interest. And rather than even doing that just to get some interest, you buried it in the ground and, and he took it away and he gave it to the one who had and so the point is, is that as we do what God wants us to do, we say, God, enlarge my territory. You start saying yes to God because God's going to start doing some things in your life and God's going to present some things to you. I have no idea what it's going to be. It's going to be different for every single one of us in this room. For some of you, you're at school right now. You're studying accounting. You're studying education. You're studying communications. You're studying whatever it is that you're studying. And, and in the midst of studying for that, God is preparing you for something. For you to say yes to the thing that God wants you to do is so important. As you're raising your family, that God wants you to invest in your spouse's life. God wants you to invest in your kids' lives. God wants you to be all of that and then some. And the only way that can happen is by putting Jesus at the center of it all. Can I get an amen to that? So important that we realize that God wants to expand the territory. And so we pray the prayer of Jabez, Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Not so I can keep it to myself, so that rather I can be a blessing to someone else's life. And so we bring influence. That's the, that's the next word I want to leave with you. So the first word really is impact. The second word is influence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, it says, Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. God is calling us to see those things expand. God brings the increase in his time. You be faithful with what God's called you to do, and the increase comes in his timing, not your timing. So we need to know that God does all things beautiful in his time, that we take those things and we place them back in his hands. Don't get, don't come to a place where, where you get impatient with the things of God, but rather continue to be patient knowing that as you do what you need to do, God will bring the increase when you need it most. Henry Blackaby tells a story in his book called The Man That God Uses. He talks about his son Tom. 
And Tom was called to lead a youth Bible study in a small town. Over time, God added more responsibility as a student council member and then as a student council president. Soon he was called to a two-year mission trip to Norway to lead youth. Eventually, he became a leader in his national convention and led the convention in work done with worship and discipleship. God blessed him with more because he was faithful with what he had. You be faithful with what God's given you, and in time, he will bring the increase. Number three is that we need to know not only does God want to bless us and that he wants to enlarge your territory, but let your hand be with me is what Jabez prayed. Let your hand be with me. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, the Israelites had just crossed over the Jordan River. God had stopped the flow of the river Jordan, and they were able to cross on dry ground, moving into the promised land. And at the very end of that chapter, he says, he did this so that all the peoples on earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. God's hand is powerful. Tribal wars are nothing new in Central Africa. In fact, a few years ago, a war between the Tutsi and the Hutu tribes spilled over the boundaries of eight African countries with atrocities on both sides. In one case, in a Christian village in the Congo, Tutsi soldiers broke down the door of a young Hutu preacher's house and stood poised to slaughter the entire family. It's a true story. The preacher begged the invaders into the house, wait, he said, please allow us a moment to pray before we die. The request was angrily granted, and the family knelt to pray. But as the expected shots never came from the intruders, after praying, the family slowly stood up and discovered that the soldiers in the house were gone, not only out of their house, but out of the village as well. Several months later, the young preacher was telling the story to a church meeting in a nearby town, he had heard a voice from the back of the service say, I can tell you what happened that day. It was one of the Tutsi soldiers. I was one of those who broke into your house, he said. I had your children in my sights as you knelt and prayed. And suddenly, as you prayed, a tremendous wall of fire surrounded you. We couldn't even see beyond the flames, and we knew the house would burn down with you in it, so we got out. Then when we were outside, we saw that your house, engulfed in flames, was not being destroyed. So we fled out of your village as well. We realized that this was not the, hand, the kind of fire we are familiar with, but a fire sent by God. If this is how your God responds to your prayer, I want to know him too, as he says that in the service. I am tired of the fighting and killing, and that's why I came tonight. The power of prayer. How many of you have seen God at work in the power of prayer? How many of you have ever seen a miracle take place right in front of your eyes? You ever see a miracle happen right in front of you? It will change you for the rest of your life. I remember one day I was praying for a lady. A lady had come forward, not 
in the church where I'm pastoring today, but previously, a lady had come forward and she had a big growth on the side of her neck. And she said, I, I, can you pray that God would take this, this growth about the size of a tennis ball? And, and I remember anointing her with oil and praying, laying my hand on her forehead and starting to pray. And for whatever reason, I just felt like, you know, I need to watch and pray. And so I, I prayed with my eyes open that day as I literally am watching as I'm praying, seeing this growth starting to shrink up on the side of her neck down to the size of about a pea. I'll tell you, that changes you. Because I can guarantee you, I have no ability to do that. But God does. God does. I remember praying for a man one day, and he came into the service. He came forward after the service was done, and he was saying, you know, Pastor, can you pray for me? I... And, and uh, my one leg is shorter than the other. And he, and he looked down at, at his feet, and you could tell because he came in, he had uh, special shoes on where the one shoe was built up about an inch and a half uh, of, of extra sole because his one leg was shorter than the other. I, I had him sit down in the front row. He took his shoes off, and I held his heels in my hand, and as he you know, stretched his legs out, it was very evident that the one leg was shorter than the other. And as I prayed for this guy, within a matter of a few minutes, I, I, I could see literally as my hands are coming close together and then together as literally this guy's leg is lengthened. His hips realigned. We had him go to the doctor to get it verified. God healed him miraculously. We have a guy in our church who used to come with a white cane. And one day, he asked me to pray for him. And after praying for him, I didn't see the miracle in the moment. He didn't experience the miracle in the moment. But that, that week, all of a sudden, he could see with ability that he had not had in years, years, the bulk of his life. So much so that now he doesn't come to church with a white cane anymore. And he, he has glasses, but he sees clearly, walks around the church like you wouldn't even know the guy ever had a cane, white cane in his hand before. I share these things because God touches lives one life at a time. And he cares about every single person. And maybe today you've come to this place and, and maybe there's something that you would like to see God do in your life. And I'm here to give you that third word, first word, impact, second word, influence, third word, presence. There's something powerful about the presence of God. Because we, we, can, we can do things for God, but if God's not with us, if God doesn't pave the way, we're going to struggle. In fact, we see it there in Scripture in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. It says, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses knew that unless God would pave the way, it's, we're going to labor in vain. But if God's in it, great things will happen. The presence of God. 
that leads us to the fourth and final thing today. And that very simply is that Jabez prayed, keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. And what you may or may not realize that literally, I mean, Jabez's name, we just read about it, that in First Chronicles, Jabez's name meant pain. How do you like that? So because Jabez's mom, as she gave birth to him, dealt with all sorts of pain, she named him pain. Poor guy. Can you imagine that? Oh, here comes the pain, right? I mean, can you imagine the ridicule he got throughout his entire life? Oh, here's the pain in the neck. Oh, his mom thinks he's a pain, so do we. I'm mean, just like the brunt end of jokes. I just think about all the jokes that probably came because of Jabez. His name is pain. And so he probably prayed that way because he didn't want to live up to his name. He wanted to have a different destiny. He wanted to have something different than what his name said. And I'm here today to tell you that God can create a brand new hope and future for every one of us. God has a different destiny in store for us. If we choose to submit our ways to him, he does awesome things through us. And so we say, keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says it this way. When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has won the victory, friends. And because Jesus has won the victory, and we don't serve a God who's dead, but we serve a God who is alive, that your sins can be forgiven. Aren't you thankful that your sins are forgiven? It is impossible for a sinful person to approach a holy God, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to build the bridge so that we could have eternal life. It's as simple as that. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't look at one another and say, well, you haven't sinned or I haven't sinned. You know, I'm, I'm perfect, so I'm not sinned. No, no, they're liar, liar, pants on fire, right? It doesn't work that way. Everybody has messed up. Everybody has sinned at some point in time in their life. And because of that, we're all in the same boat together. And also says that the wages of sin is death. And so if you've ever wondered, you know, why did, why did Jesus die upon the cross? He died upon the cross because he paid for your death. You don't have to worry about death today. You can cross over from death into life. You can have life in his name because Jesus already died in your place. Somebody had to die. See, God's, I'll say, justice side of him says that sin leads to death. Jesus died in your place, so you don't need to worry about death. And the really cool thing is then that we can cross over from death into life. And so the moment that you breathe your last breath, which I hope is not like soon, I hope it's many years from now, but the moment that you breathe your last breath, we cross over from death to life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have, we have that hope of eternal life. We have the ability to be able to go to heaven, not because you're that great, but because he is awesome. And you put your hope and trust in him, and he does amazing things in us and through us. So we talk about harm. Lord, Lord keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. You know, there's a difference between hurt and harm. Hurt and harm. Let's talk about it for a second. 
Think about these examples. If I were to eat an entire two-pound bag of peanut M&Ms, you know, the, the yellow bag, which sadly to say I probably could do, never tried it, but probably could do, would it hurt me? No. It would actually taste really good. But would it harm me? Yes, it would probably harm my health. It would probably harm my waistline. It certainly would send my blood sugar through the roof. Think about two bags of M&Ms. Are you kidding me, right? It would harm my teeth, though, back to the dentist thing. Hey, dentist, like, okay, fine. Make it happen. Now come see me, right? Hurt and harm. How about visiting the dentist? Would it hurt you to go to the dentist? Yeah, sometimes it does hurt. How many of you have ever gone to the dentist and it hurt, right? But does the dentist harm you? Not intentionally. So there's a difference between hurt and harm. You can go through hurt but not be harmed. And God today is reminding us that, that he's, he's never wanting us to be harmed. He's wanting to protect us. But we may go through a lot of hurt in life. But if we take our hurts and our pains and the stuff that we deal with in this life and we give it over to him, it's amazing how he lifts us up. And he helps us get beyond some of the things that we've dealt with in life. God is wanting us not to be harmed, and he wants us to be, in a sense, beyond that. And so I share all of that with you today because Jabez prayed this prayer. Lord, would you please bless me and enlarge my territory so that I can walk down a road of not harm and not pain but I can walk down a road of knowing that your hand is with me every step of the way. Church, this is a prayer I pray on a regular basis. And I want to challenge you to do the same thing and see what God does. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, I'll close with this. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's amazing how we can look at certain families and sometimes see within certain families there's strongholds that have taken place. Why is it that certain families deal with addictions and other families don't? Why is it that certain families tend to, tend to deal with financial problems and other families don't? Why is it that certain families deal with this or that and, and maybe some other families don't? And I'm not trying to make a bigger thing out of it, but the fact is, is that there are moments where there could be strongholds either in your life personally or in your family. And the really cool thing is that we in prayer can pull down those strongholds. They don't need to have authority in your life or in your family. For us to pray God's blessing, his favor, his protection. I remember as a kid, I'm one of three boys. I'm the middle child. And my younger brother is, uh, well, he's like way younger. He was referenced by mom as the bonus baby of the family. We'll just leave it at that. Eight and a half years younger than me. And my older brother, three years older than me, we would go off to school together, my, my older brother and I. And, and there, were, there were moments where I could, I literally, I can like close my eyes and hear my mom talk about blessing hear my mom call out to us as we would walk out the door, oh, Lord, protect him by the blood of the Lamb. That, that, that old-time style of Christianity, which is awesome, 
don't, don't negate that. That she would just call it, oh, plead the blood of Jesus upon my kid, protect my kids today. Every day, every day, every day as a kid, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever, mom, right? And now as a parent, I'm here like, whoa, I get it. Man, I get it. And for us to be in a place where we say, Lord, keep us from harm. Help us to walk down the right kind of road. Help us to be that kind of person you want us to be, saying yes to him. So the, the words I give you today are impact, influence, presence, and that his guidance and direction would be upon you to the point where you have a brand new destiny. See, whatever your past has been like, your past doesn't need to define your future. God wants to do an amazing thing in your life. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, in this moment, we just take this moment, we just bow in your presence, and I thank you for speaking into each one of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're our strength. I thank you, Lord, that you're our rock, that you're our redeemer. I thank you, Lord, that you want to do a fresh work in our lives today. And I pray that here in this moment, that as we bow in your presence, Lord, that you would lift us up to a new place. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you want to use us. You want us to be in the game, not on the sidelines, but Lord, as the manager of the baseball team, Lord, you're calling our name up. Grab a bat. It's time to get in the batter's box. It's time to step up to the plate. Lord, I pray that you would do a special work in each one of our lives that we may be impacted by you in such a way that we can then in turn impact other people's lives bringing influence to the table, knowing, Lord, that your presence paves the way for that and that you'll guide us and direct us every single step of the way. And when all of that happens, Lord, there'll be a brand new destiny for us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our hearts to say, Lord, I want to adopt this prayer in my life that I may stand wholeheartedly, faithfully with you. And friends, as we just bow in God's presence today, a couple of things I want us to pray about before we go. The first, very simply, is that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the really cool thing is that the Lord wants a relationship with you. Every single one of us in this room today, there's not a single person in this place where God doesn't want a relationship with you. Think about it for a second. The God of this universe, the God who spoke the world into existence, he wants a relationship with you. The Bible says to us in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today. And if you choose to open up your heart to him, he will give you new life. He will take away your sin. He will give you eternal life. It will happen for you as you invite him in. And so my first question for you today, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just in the quietness of this moment, if you want to open up your heart, your life to Christ, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, I would love to pray for you. The Lord wants that relationship with you, and he wants to give you eternal life. If you'd like that, before we go any further, just take a moment. Just raise your hand. You put it right back down again. Just grab my attention. Thank you. I see one hand, I see two hands, I see three hands, I see four hands. Thank you. So good. So, so good. An opportunity for us to build a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Is there anyone else? I want to lead us in a prayer. 
I'm going to ask all of us to pray together as I lead us in it to make it easier for the four of you that have just raised your hand. And the really cool thing is that as you pray right along with us to the four of you, you don't need to try to convince God. You just need to invite him because he wants this for you. He's just waiting for the invitation. So in the prayer, you're making the invite. You're making space for the Lord to come in. You're going to ask him to take away your sin and give you eternal life. And the cool thing is, in a sense, eternity begins for you today with him because of a commitment that you're making right now. Let's all pray the prayer together, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die upon a cross to forgive us of our sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I put my hope and I put my trust in you. Please forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate that today, shall we? What an awesome thing that is. Amen. Amen. If you're watching online, maybe you made that decision for Christ today too. And if you did, please, please give a shout out. Let us know. Let us know because we want to celebrate you with you. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one person comes to that relationship with him. And so there's like a party going on in heaven because four people in this room and maybe even others online, you've just made the best decision of your life. I made it when I was nine. Wow, 50 years ago. Man, I'm getting old. Best decision of my life. Second best decision, marrying this lady over here. That's second best decision. But best decision, opening up my heart and life to Christ. I did it in a church in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I was raised. And my life's never been the same. You keep serving Jesus, which leads me now to the second thing. And the second thing, very simply, is that as, as we think about this impact, we think about the influence, we think about the presence of God that can be there in our lives, we think about his guidance and direction, and for us to create a brand new destiny, a brand new hope, a brand new future, a brand new thing for us, I want to challenge you not only to pray the prayer of Jabez upon your life and see what God does, but also as you pray that, believe that he will bring about that in your heart. I'm looking at a congregation of people who are younger than I am, which is awesome, with maybe one exception. And... When I first started in ministry, I was 24 years old, 24. And if God would have told me then, at the age of 24, that someday you'll be doing some of the stuff that you're doing now, I would have said to him, <laughs> no way. And that's just like God. Because God wants to do greater things in you. You keep saying yes to him, and he will keep doing greater things in you. So here's the last thing I want to pray for you about. Is there something inside of you today that would stand to your feet? And don't stand because someone else is standing. Just stand because it's, it's inside of you that said, Lord, I do want to make an impact. And I, don't, I don't care about making a name for myself, but I want to make an impact. I want to impact people's lives around me because, Lord, you've impacted my life. And I want to be your hand extended. I want to be used of you to, to bring influence to the table. 
And Lord, I need your presence in my life. I, I can't do this thing on my own. I, I need your presence. And, and Lord, would you guide me along the way? If that's in you today, I want to pray over you as we close the service out. And so just right now, we're not going to close our eyes, but you know, if that's where you are today and you're here like, yeah, that's me. I, I want that in my life. I want God to do that. I just want you to stand wherever you are and let God do that special work. I want to pray over you. And if you're online, please take a moment and say, I'm in this too, because I want to include you in this prayer. Let's pray. Father, for every person that's standing in this room today, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ever ask or even imagine. And so, Lord, we don't know what you have in store for us 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Lord, we don't know. But we do know, Lord, that you hold the future in your hands. And I thank you, Lord, for this moment, this moment to pray a prayer, a blessing upon wonderful people's lives who are standing in your presence saying, God, I want more of your presence. And Lord, as you bless me, Lord, help me not to hold it to myself, but help me to give it away. Help me, Lord, to speak words of affirmation, words of hope, words of life, words of encouragement even words that bring people closer to Jesus or even lead people to Christ in a personal way. Lord, use us. Lord, use me. Lord, I'm even standing today. I pray that every single one of us standing, Lord, that your blessing, your anointing, your strength would be upon us. May we be your hand extended here in Tustin and wherever we go. We give it all to you and we bless your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.